Hello, listeners. I'm back. Uh, it's Brandon Bickmore, your turbo lover. This is the Minds Gym podcast. We're here to share some amazing stories and assist in changing lives and hopefully change the way you see your world. Create some more peace and love on this planet. Um, I suffered from severe anxiety and depression for several years recently, and I hope by sharing uh, other stories and my stories uh, and experiences, it will benefit you. Um, I want to thank you for your support, and please comment. It means the world to us, and like this podcast if you're enjoying it. Um, that's the only way we can keep this thing rocking and rolling. Um, I'm here today uh, with my 96-year young Grandma Ruth. She's an amazing woman, and I want to thank her for showing up and having the courage and vulnerability to speak with me today. She's going to share some amazing stories from uh, uh, from uh, the day she was uh, born. Maybe not born, she won't remember that, but uh, from when she was five or six years old growing up in Lehigh and uh, telling us a bit about uh, being the rodeo queen. She's been a business owner. She was a bowler entrepreneur. Um, she uh, actually has had three husbands that have passed away. Um, and we'll talk about each of those. Um, she's a great, great grandma. She's a great grandma, a grandma, a mom, a wife, a sister, friend, um, and just a beautiful lady. She's actually what I call a speed reader. She can read a four or five hundred page book in the matter of, of days. Um, She's got a cabin in Bear Lake that she still, to this day, goes there every single summer, uh, normally in May, and she stays till uh, September. Um, she takes care of herself up there. Um, she just recently quit driving because uh, her eyes are going um, on her. Um, she does wear hearing aids, but she hears pretty darn well. She has the mind and the memory of no other human being I've ever met. She can uh, recall what took place in nearly every single year of her life. Um, so I'm thrilled to have her on the podcast today. And uh, she's going to share some really interesting facts about growing up uh, in the uh, early 1900s and uh, through today. So thank you, Grandma, for showing up. I appreciate you being here. You are uh, sweet to uh, share some of your time with me, and I think this is going to be a beautiful experience for myself and also the family to be able to have your voice recorded that we can listen to when, when you decide to uh, uh, move on to the next place, which uh, I uh, believe we all go to, which is heaven. So thanks for being here, and uh, if you'd like, Grandma, maybe just briefly tell me about uh, uh, your childhood and growing up in Lehigh, and then just briefly tell me about your mom, your dad, and maybe your siblings to start with, and just a brief minute on each. Uh my mother and father were very good people. We worked hard. Dad was a farmer. Mother was a housekeeper. 
stay-at-home moms were the only thing that happened in those days. So we were brought up to appreciate both parents and their love. I had uh, three brothers and two sisters. My uh, older brother was two years older, Veer, and he passed away at 60 from uh, being asthmatic since birth and having an angina heart, which was they couldn't do anything about in those days, but can now. Uh, my brother Paul was four years younger than I, and he is still alive and is doing well. Uh, he, we had a very good relationship, all of we children. My brother Don was uh, two years younger than Paul. My sister Marna was three years younger than Don, and then mother had a late in life baby six years later, my younger sister. And now uh, the, the two brothers have passed, Vera at 60 and Don at 75. My brother Paul is alive at 92. My sister Marna, 88. My sister Louine is 82. Dad lived to be 98 and a half. Uh, mother passed away at 82, very asthmatic. She'd had a lot of problems with her health. We lived in a, a, a fairly good-sized home in Lehigh, but without any indoor plumbing. Uh, we had a privy in the backyard. And then we didn't have indoor plumbing until I was 14. And we had uh, our Saturday night bath was in a round aluminum tub that was brought into the kitchen. And the water heated from the coal stove is the way that was performed. And the very cold winters, and because we only had uh, stoves in each room, none in the bedrooms, but a stove in the dining room, the living room, and the kitchen, so that they were, they were, uh, you know, uh, fires that we had to lay, that dad would usually lay them at night so they could be lit in the morning. And so uh, to go to bed in our upstairs area, we took warm bricks wrapped in flannel upstairs with us to use as our warmth at night. It is wonderful to think of what we've had since then. You, that was the only way of heating the house basically was by the fire, right? Mm -hmm. And then right. you put bricks in your blankets to go to bed with and you stayed plenty warm. And we dressed warmly, and you of dressed course. Warm. So were any of the nights chilly? Oh, it was, it was very chilly. Yeah. We had very bad winters in Lehigh. Yeah. Dad occasionally had to take us to school behind the horse with a little uh, sleigh like we had to get us to school and back. Really? Mm -hmm. You'd, so back then, were, were there cars? Yes, 
the only car we had to begin with was a Model T Ford. What year was it? I think probably that was, I'm trying to think what, how old I was at that point when we got it. I think I was about eight years old at that point. And of course, Dad taught the boys to drive, but he never did teach me to drive. And I didn't learn to drive till I was 35 and pregnant. I wish I had had that experience sooner, but I had, didn't have occasion to need to. Hmm. Tell me about the horse and the sleigh, Grandma. Did you guys make the sleigh, purchase the sleigh? How many people could sit in the sleigh? Well, just, just a couple. Really? So just a couple of you would go to school at a time, mm -hmm. and then yeah. Grandpa would come back and pick up the other two and then go back and forth? I assume that was a little chilly in the winter, right? Yes, in yes. The and of course, Dad, in the winter, being a farmer, he was at home all the time in the winter, so he was very available to us for all that was necessary. Hmm. It was uh, farming. I, I know farmers love their lives, and, and to this day... I have a brother that's still doing a garden at 92 years old in one of the biggest gardens in Lehigh and hands out the vegetables to everyone. And that's so neat. I think farmers are some of the most beautiful, hardest working humans on the planet. It is hard work. It is very hard work. Yeah. And our main, uh, the main th uh, income that we had was a sugar beets. And there was a company, Utah, Idaho Sugar, that bought the farmer's sugar beets. And that was our main product, was sugar. And it wasn't as much this, then the sale of hay as it is now, because the farmers usually had grew their own hay. But that was uh, one of our main products. How how large was uh, Grandpa's farm? Like, how many acres did he actually farm? Do you believe? You know, I don't exactly know that, Brandon. We had three different farms in different sections of Lehigh. And you don't know um, how many acres he owned? Because I know he owned a bunch of land in Lehigh, right? Yes, he did. Eventually. He did. Several he did. And some of it we hayed and some of it was beets. And, and you know, that was mainly it's the products that were grown. What would you it. guess? How many Our garden was a smaller one in a different area. Yeah. So how many acres would you guess that he farmed back then? Do you have any idea? I don't. I've been trying to think what... I would say 200 or so. Do you remember back then, Grandma, when he bought that land? Did he own it all or did he lease some of it? And what did he pay for land back in the early he owned, 1900s? He owned it all. And do you remember what he paid for it per acre? I have no idea. I have no okay. idea because some of it came from his father. Oh. So it was generational uh -huh. farmer, basically, so the land was handed down. Uh -huh. Did his father get it from his father? And was yeah. he also raised in Lehigh? Yes. 
and but his father had a very short life. I think Grandpa was probably dead at sixty, mm. as I recall. And he also grew up in Lehigh. Yes, farming. They they had come across the plains. Yeah, where did they come from? England mainly. Mm. And and did they reside? Right after they came over from the plains, did they resided right into Lehigh, or, or as far as I know, yes. Yeah, huh. that's really neat. Grandma was a little English lady. She's not very, not a very large sized lady. Yeah, but we didn't have them for very long. Uh, Grandpa, I think, by the time I was six, had passed. And Grandma passed when I was probably 10. Mm. So we didn't have Dad's parents very long. And then uh, Mother's parents, uh, he was, uh, he worked at the sugar factory. And he was probably gone by the time I was five. But Grandma Taylor lived to be... uh, I can't remember exactly how old she was when she died. I think she was in her 70s, probably. But I was in uh, high school. I was just graduating at the time Grandma passed away. Hmm. So tell us, Grandma, a little bit about the Depression. So you were the oldest of six kids. Talk to us a little bit about No, the de- I was the next oldest. The next oldest. Yes. Of si- I was there the were six of you. You were the oldest female. Tell us about uh, growing up in the Depression and what kind of stress and maybe pressure it put on you, or, or, or did you not even possibly realize? Well, we didn't, we didn't even possibly realize because we had everything we needed. We had the cows, we had the pigs, we had the chickens. We had three large coops of chickens. And that was one job I did not like, was gathering eggs. Because you had to reach under the chicken to get to the egg, and then you had to worry about whether there were rats that were coming into the coops. And we would have certain evenings that we would take baseball bats to go out to try to get rid of the rats, because you didn't want to put poison or anything out at that point. So it was, and, and that was one of our big uh, life <laughs> money also, was having the chickens. Mother used to do what you call candling the eggs, which was cleaning them all off and packing them in crates so that they could be picked up the next morning by the Intermountain Farmers Association that was in American Fork at that point. So that was an evening job that Mother had, regardless of what else was happening in the household. Mm. And so being the oldest girl, I had a lot of duty so that Mother could be free to do that. We all had our certain jobs, and the one thing I didn't like to do, we also the wheat and then you had the threshing of the wheat and then it going into the bins and we used to have to tromp that wheat and I didn't like that one little bit but 
Explain to me what tromping the wheat means. You got in the bin and, and kind of tromped it down with your feet as it was coming in. Really? Is that so all the seedlings would fall to the bottom? Yeah. Basically? So that it, you know, leveled itself out. Wow. So what did you do for the winter's grandma? Did you just store a whole bunch of food? Storage? You'd well, freeze? what they did then was they uh, had what was called cellars. Mm-hmm. And they would dig in down into the dirt a certain uh, amount of feet. And then they would put a canopy sort of over it out of wood mm-hmm. so that you had a door that came open so that you could go down in that cellar and that's where they stored the potatoes and the carrots and yeah. things that were storable. And that's how you survived the winter, basically, was yes. saving veggies from the garden down in, yes. the, in the cellar. Yeah, they still do that today in some places. I know we go to Boulder, Utah every year, and there's yes, a I think they do. couple. It's a f- they farm and they live off the land, and they've got a couple of cellars. Yeah. And they still do that today. They completely are self-sufficient and live off the land. It's a beautiful little uh, acre, so they have, and they live in a... We had our own mother-made bread very often, and she'd make oh, four loaves or so at a time. One of the things we loved best was Dad frying scones for us for breakfast when he was available off and on. Well, frying scones? For the bread dough. Fun. And what did you drink back then, Grandma? Was there water, uh, water milk? milk? Milk and mother made homemade root beer a lot. We had orange juice uh, that she would uh, make from the oranges. Uh, I don't recall, I don't recall really having much pop until I was older. Yeah. And then for treats back then, I think you'd make ice cream and the old-fashioned ice cream. Right. Every Sunday we did machine. that. We had ice cream. Loved yeah. it. What else did you have for treats? Mother made a lot of pies, a lot of cakes. One of my favorite pies was pineapple pie, which you don't hear much about anymore. We had a lot of apple pies. We had a red astrakhan apple tree in our yard that we absolutely loved from green apples until they went through to ripe. Mm. She had quite a few fruit fruit trees on the farm. There was that big tree, and we didn't, as I recall, we didn't have a pear tree. And, of course, there wasn't a thought of lemon tree at that point. Mother was very fond of roses. She had her roses all along our fence line. That's where she just loved to spend her time, was out trimming her roses. Hmm. She wasn't as fond of housework as she was of the outside with the roses and all. Yeah. So what, what did your like high school or middle school, high school life look like back then? What did it look like? Yeah, like uh, what did you do in middle school and high school as a kid? You just went to grade school. I don't recall kindergarten. Mm-hmm. You started when you were six and went to grade school until you were in 
eighth, and then you went to junior high, and then you went to high school from ninth to twelfth. Do you remember any? I guess it was seven to eight, probably yeah. in grade, and then nine to the twelfth year in high school. Do you remember any significant experiences in elementary, junior high, and high school that you could share? Any experiences we would be? Well, grade school was, uh, we had the history teacher, the geography teacher, the music teacher, uh, the English teacher, the math teacher. It was, uh, we had a good education. The only thing that I recall, was, and, and we laugh about it today, because all my family can sing and carry a tune. But my music teacher called mother one day and said, where did you get this child from? <laughs> she can't carry a tune in a bucket, and I've never been able to. <laughs> and the rest of them can. And I've always felt badly about that. I don't even like to sing in church because I'm afraid somebody will hear my voice. Yeah. So, But as far as that goes, I had a good voice for public speaking. I was on the debate team, and I also had the lead in the high school play for the last three years, and that was a tryout situation where you had to try out for your part. So that was one thing my voice did for me that music didn't. <laughs> well, I think your voice is beautiful, Grandma. I think that teacher may have been confused back then. Oh, no, he wasn't. <laughs> he was not confused. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about high school. Any I memories? loved high school. And I loved the typing and being very proficient at that. And I would go early in the morning to high school to practice in the type room for the time that I spent with the hours with the type team. Hmm. And then play practice, that would be after high school. So I was gone a lot of times from 7 in the morning till 6 or so in the evening at high school yeah. because of the busyness of it all. So when? And I was on the student body also. Wow. You were a popular um, so, woman back then. Well, I was chosen as most popular with two seniors at the time I was a junior. But I wasn't, it wasn't popularity with the males. It was the popularity of, of all, yeah. you know. Yeah. Did, what, when were you the rodeo queen? Was that in high school or after high school? It was after high school. What I graduated in May and the rodeo was in June. So it was right after high school. How old were you when you were the rodeo queen of Lehigh, Utah? 17, because I didn't turn 18 until September. And how did they go about picking the rodeo queen back then? Back then, it wasn't like it is now. There wasn't the tryout situation. I was chosen by a committee, and they rented my costume, and... Uh, a fellow in town had these beautiful gloves that were leather and had the long cuff on them with all these jewels and things in that he loaned me. And later, I have gone back for the 50th and also for the 75th 
because at the point that I was rodeo queen, they hadn't had rodeo. They had had rodeo for four years before that, but not a queen. So at that point, the first queen was in 1940. So was that a tryout, Grandma? How was the... the now it's a tryout. And back then it was just a selection process? It was a selection process. But did you put your like name in a hat, or how did that go about? Or did they just come to you? No, they, just, they came to me. They just came to you and said, hey, you've so, been... And asked me to do it. Huh. But then for the 50th... I that was the, my costume was rented from the costume house at that point mm. when I was first queen. Right. And so in that I had the pictures of that, I duplicated my costume for the 50th. Oh. And I still have it hanging in the closet. Really? And I also wore it to the 75th. Yeah. So you were the first rodeo queen of Lehigh, Utah. Amazing. Yes. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm lucky to be the grandson of a famous rodeo queen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon still loves to go to the rodeos. I do love the rodeo. It's uh, so neat to go down to Lehigh and, and uh, but watch. Our dances and everything in Lehigh were for choice. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. So after uh, high school, Grandma, I think you said you... Uh, got a job making like $99 a month back in the 19 early 1940s. Tell me about the job. I had been going to LDS Business College, and they called me in the office and said that this orange transportation company had called and wanted their fastest typist, which I was. So they said, uh, if you want to go interview this job, then feel free to do so. So I did and got the job and worked in the afternoon from, I usually got to work from two and work till nine. And it was uh, then the bus service, wasn't the bus service, it was a trolley that went down West Temple. And then my cousin and I had rented a room in a boarding house that was just across from the temple we were able to have that access to that trolley line. And also, it was so easy to walk over to LDS Business College. And Dad had arranged for our meals at the Lion House if we wiped dishes after the noon service and after the evening service. So we were well fed. But then the trolley line that I rode to go to work there was an older gentleman that ran the trolley, and such a nice, nice man. And when he got acquainted with what I was doing and all, I should have walked up to a corner to catch him when I got off work at 9 o'clock at night. But instead, he would stop for me so that I could run out and get on just right at, <laughs> at the company, which was very nice. But we didn't have to worry a lot then about being attacked or anything like they do now. So it was a lot safer place to be than it is. And that was in Salt Lake City, wasn't it? You moved yes. from Lehigh to Salt Lake? Yes. Yes. Were you excited to get out of Lehigh to go to Salt Lake City? 
I was, I was. And it was amazing what $99 a month would do. I even bought new linoleum for my parents' kitchen floor and did one or two other things for them that they hadn't been able to do. And it was, it was a pleasure to make that kind of money and think of that now. Yeah, amazing that the $99 could go a long way back then. That's pretty impressive. So tell me, Grandma, about the war a little bit. When, when the war started and did, did Grandpa? Uh, well, what happened with the war when it started, uh, of course, everyone we had been going with or anything was either going to be inducted or they were going to have to choose which line of the service they wanted. And if you wanted the Navy or the Marines or one of those, then you volunteered. So at the time that my first husband and I met him, I had left the truck line a year or so before to go over to the Union Pacific Railroad and work. And that's where I met my first husband. He was from Salt Lake. And he had suffered much more in the Depression than we had. They were very poor. He had to walk along the railroad tracks during the day and pick up the coal that fell off the coal cars to keep them heated at home. And they ate an awfully lot of beans. There wasn't, I felt so sorry for people that had lived like that after we'd lived as well as we had through the Depression. Mm. Uh, but he, what he decided to do was volunteer for the Navy and so in doing that, we had been, of course, romancing at that point, and I had moved to the Beehive House, which probably everyone is familiar with that's still on the corner of South Temple. And that was a fun place to live with all the gals that lived there. And then I, I was, I sometimes even walked to work when I started at the railroad. So that was uh, nice too also, but it was that convenient. But uh, we had hours at the Beehive House when we had to be in at 10 o'clock at night or else. And so we, if we went out very much, we had to be in at that time. But we started dating about three months was all before we got married knowing that he was going to have to go, but we didn't know exactly when. But as we lined up the date for the wedding and everything, then he was called and he was, uh, his date to leave was three weeks after we got married. So that was a blow. And where did he go to? He went to Farragut, Idaho which was a Navy base for his training. And then he was sent to Pleasanton, California to await their ship. So at that point, uh, I had not, I saw him when he came back from Farragut. And then when he was sent to California, I wanted to see him, of course, before he was shipped out. So I went to San Francisco and stayed with a girlfriend and her husband 
that had moved down there and uh, was able to see him once was all at that point. And then I moved over to Oakland to a boarding house and was staying there and I was uh, very distraught because he didn't get the passes that he'd think he was going to get. So we didn't get to see our husbands very often. And one of the girls from Lehigh that was in my crowd of 10 girls that I went all through high school with, and there were still two of us alive, a girl in California, Irene, and myself. The others have passed away, but uh, Mildred had moved down there also, and there was an opening in our boarding house, so she came there and we lived together at the boarding house, and so we decided we needed to get jobs because you just can't sit there and do nothing and wait for your husband to have a day off. So I went down to the employment service, and she said, well, Southern Pacific would love to have you, but I don't recommend it because it's in Oakland and it's, uh, you have to, it would be an afternoon shift and you'd have to be standing catching a bus at 11 o'clock at night in the, what then was the black district. And she said, I wouldn't recommend that for anyone. So she said, let's see what else we can do for you. So I got a job during the day at Kaiser Steel in their downtown office in Oakland. And that was in very interesting because of how friendly the people were at that point. We girls could go stand on the corner to catch the bus early in the morning, and invariably, a couple would pick us up. They would say, you girls are going downtown to work? Yes. They'd drop us off at work. We very rarely paid bus fare. It, and the same thing with when he was in Pleasanton, and I finally moved from Oakland and went over and stayed with my uncle in San Jose. They had a home in San Jose. And I stayed there. So to get to Pleasanton to see him, after what had happened with him after I saw him a time or two in Oakland, he had uh, come to San Jose and stayed the weekend. And he got pneumonia. And we didn't know it was pneumonia. We knew he was very sick. And he either had to be back to the base on Sunday by 6 o'clock or there was big trouble. So I talked my uncle and my other uncle, two uncles lived there that were in construction, and I talked him into taking Dick back to the base that afternoon, which he was happy to do. But the, it was pneumonia that he had, and the pneumonia created some... Uh, mastectomy behind his ear, which I don't know if that's even something I haven't heard about since then, I don't think. But he had to have an operation on the mastoid. And he had had very serious migraine headaches for several years. And if he'd have said that, they never would have taken him in the service. And so then when they found out that the migraines had kicked in after the operation, then they hospitalized him for quite a while. 
but then he was finally sent home on a medical. So during all that time, I had uh, become pregnant while I was staying in San Jose and saw him. But I wanted to say how friendly people were at that point before I get away from that. I would have to leave San Jose and go over and catch a bus and go into Hayward, California, and catch another bus to get out to the naval base so that it was quite a, a distance to have to go. And invariably, catching the naval bus, I would be the only girl on the bus. And those sailors were so kind, so kind to me. You must be going to the base to see your husband. He must be in the hospital. Yes, and a very friendly situation. So then I would get off the bus at the base, and it was a long walk to the hospital, and there'd be a delivery truck going by. Ma'am, are you headed for the hospital? Get in. Wow. And away we'd go. <laughs> I love that. And, and I'd stay there till late, and, which my uncle didn't appreciate, staying there till, I'd stay there till about, I'd get there about two, and I'd stay there till about six. And then the journey home, the same thing. I would be delivered to where I could catch the naval bus and get back to Hayward and catch the other bus. But my uncle was upset because when I got off the bus to get back to his place, I had to walk about a three-block area to get back to his home. And instead of walking, I did my exercising around <laughs> because it was about nine o'clock at night. And that, that was very upsetting to my uncle at that point, even though there wasn't much problem. I didn't think, you know, I never had any problem. Yeah. You were trusting the universe, and it sounds like the universe was really taking care of you, which in my experience, it's been taking care of you for 96 years. So, and it has. Yeah. I worked for a lady from my uncle's house. She lived right next door to him. She was a beautician. I tended her baby to make extra money because all you got from the Navy was a $50 stipend for you to live on. Really? Wives. $50 a month? Yeah. Wow. What year was it, Grandma, when uh, uh, you moved to San Francisco or San Jose and, and he headed off to the Navy? And where did he well, actually he leave went California? In and we got married in 1943, May of 1943. And he went in three weeks after. And so then when I became pregnant, your mother was born in August of 1944, and he got home about a month before she was born. So he wasn't gone long? No. No, and he actually no. never went into the service? He didn't get ever. The ship went out about two or three weeks after he hmm. had come home. Well, that was perfect. They timing. were at the base a long time with their training before right. they... But he never, never really actually, never actually went into the service. That's neat. So tell me, Grandma, a little bit more about um, about your husbands, because you were married to Dick, which was your original husband, for how many years? For let me think about this now. 1940, I was 1943, and he passed away in 1972. 
1972, so about 30 years, right? Close to 30 years you were married to him. Or no. 28. 28 years. Oh, 28. Is that right? How old was he when he passed away? He was 48. 48. So, um... I was almost a year older. And he passed away of uh, lung cancer? Lung cancer. Yeah. Can you talk me through that a little bit? How was that experience? And, and what was that well, like for you and all of the kids? it was fun because we had the business, our bowling supply business, and it was supporting our oldest son and also our son-in-law. Mm-hmm. And so that was very crucial when he was discovered with cancer. He, we, the doctors had thought he had pneumonia, but we lucked out with a good internist that I had had that discovered, through taking some x-rays, discovered the cancer. And it was only seeable by a pinpoint, actually, at that point. And the cancer men couldn't believe that that doctor had identified it as being what it was. And then he was transferred to LDS Hospital, the cancer men there, that there were three doctors involved with his treatment. And he had a lot of pain, and he he wanted his, we, were, we had bought property at Bear Lake in about 1968, and we had a trailer on the property, and we're waiting to see if we would have time to, and money to build a cabin. And at that point, uh, we had been spending a lot of time, and the kids had been spending a lot of time up there with us, and it was wonderful. So he decided he didn't want to work anymore, that we were going to start building a home up there, and we had had the loan approved and everything at the bank. We had to have a bank in Ogden because there wasn't one that supported that area in Salt Lake. And we had uh, gotten our loan and everything taken care of. And the house was going to start in the year of 1972. And that was in May. And then he found out in May that he had the cancer. So he decided to quit and go up there and spend the summer and watch the house being built. And he lived in the trailer up there. And then we would go up on weekends and spend the time with him. And he functioned that way. He had purchased a motorcycle and he would ride back and forth to Salt Lake for his treatments which at that point was radiation. There was no chemotherapy. And chemotherapy came to be in October, and they were, he was one of the first chemotherapy experiments. And he was able to have one treatment, and then was so anxious for another but if your uh, red and white cells were the way they should be, then you couldn't have it until they were with the testing. So he really only got two treatments of chemotherapy. 
So that wasn't, that wasn't a good uh, experiment at that point. But there was no way that he could have survived at, at that time without any other treatments other than what he had. They didn't operate on lung cancer at that point, which I think they sometimes do now. So how long from his diagnosis to his death? Seven months. Seven months, so that was quick. Wow. Well, seven months, let's see. Yeah, May and June, May, June, July, August, He died December. He was, the end of May was when he was, when they found out what it was, and he died December 7th. Wow, that's crazy. That's a, that's but quick. he enjoyed his time up there. Yeah, he loved it. And he now you it. reside there every summer and go there for from May to September and up there all by yourself, taking care of yourself. Uh, just beautiful. That's your little slice of heaven up there, isn't it? It is. It is. I say it's my happy place. Yeah. I love that you go there, and I hope you continue to go there for the rest of your life, which... I'm hoping it'll be another five or ten years. Um, how was the the how did how did the kids do during uh, that tough year of of Dick's diagnosis and, and his passing? How was that for other family members? How did they take it? Yeah, you mean? yeah. Like how do you remember watching the kids and their behavior? And I'm sure it was tough and hard. But any particular? It was. It was very hard, and it was very hard to keep the business going at that point. Other than, uh, you know, Greg and Earl were both trained well, so that we were able to carry it on through the few years after that. But uh, it was very hard on the children. Very hard on the children. And particularly on uh, Kelly, the the baby at that point, he was 16 when his father passed, and that was a difficult difficult time for for everyone. Yeah. So, and I know um, Grandpa Dick. Uh, you guys owned Dick McMillan Sports Shop, which was a, a bowling uh, store. Right, you could bowling go in there and buy supply. bowling supply store shoes, bowling yeah. balls, any equipment. And then we went into billiard tables, also and pool tables and foosball tables. And we sold trophies. Yeah, and, and engraved them. And trophies, and it was right next. And to we the were on uh, in the Decatur Tile Building on Twenty First South and Eighth East, and then we moved to the Ritz Bowling Lanes. The west end of that. Yeah, which was right off of 20. And then after that, we moved in just across into a long uh, series of buildings that were there, just right at the same property as the Ritz was. We had a smaller shop there. The shop was too big at the Ritz at a given point. Yeah. And much more rental, you know, going out. Hard to sustain. I know I remember going down there as a little kid and I could always open up the Coke machine that had a lid on it like a uh, like the old or new school big yeah. freezer you put in your garage. You open up the lid, put a quarter in and get you a nice ice cold Coke that was kind of hanging there. Yeah. Um, Cokes and Sprites and 
I don't remember if there was much else. And then I remember seeing Greg and uh, Earl working in the shop, drilling bowling balls, cleaning bowling balls, getting them prepped and ready for all the bowlers. And, uh, and you know, we sold the uniforms for the bowling teams, yeah. which I don't even think they have uniforms anymore, other yeah. than on the pro circuit, probably. But And was Grandpa Dick a professional bowler? I know he bowled uh, a 300 game or a few 300 games, yes. which is rare. He, he bowled not not professionally on the tour like they are now, but they bowled a lot of tournaments in different areas. Yeah. We even went back, we drove back to Minneapolis one spring for him to bowl a tournament back there. And how'd he do? They, he always did well. He did yeah. very well. He yeah. was a good bowler. Yeah. And he, he had learned to bowl at the Ritz from a fellow, his last name was Skee-Ball, that was from California. He had taken lessons. Mm. And he, from then on, he was an excellent bowler. Yeah. Do you remember, Grandma, what type of father he was to his children? Was he a good father? Yes, I, I think so, a very busy father. But I, I don't think, I think the children respected him very well as a father. Yeah. Was he easy to get along with, Grandma? Was he happy? Do you remember back then? Or was he a little frustrated and stressed out? No, he was, he was happy. He was happy. He loved doing what he did. And he worked at the bowling alley part-time three nights a week mm -hmm. after, you know, when he was working his other job before we went into the business. That's why he wanted to go into the business. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, too, I think he was a smoker, wasn't he? Yes. And he that's, drank quite a bit? That's what caused the lung cancer. Yeah. And he, Would you consider him an alcoholic or just a good drinker? Well, it became alcoholic. He had come from alcoholism. His father was alcoholic. Mm -hmm. His uncle was alcoholic. Uh, it, I still believe it's a very high genetic risk. Yeah, for sure. And when he was drinking grandma often, and I don't even know, was he... Uh, could you get along with him when he's drinking, is, or was he more angry and negative when he was on his drinking binges? Oh, it isn't easy to live with an alcoholic. Mm. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. But uh, it, it, I don't know that the children probably noticed it as much until the worst part before he started going to AA. Yeah. And that was the makings of him to go to join AA. Really? Huh. But it was difficult to talk him into that, which I find is the problem with most of them. Because yeah. they don't want to tell their story. Yeah. They but once they do, and the men are what they are, and he lucked out with a very, very good man that had been on the program for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And he and his wife were some of our best friends. 
and while he was suffering through his cancer, I could call, the fellow's name was Jack, I could call Jack and say, Kelly and I need some time away. And he would come and sit with him for a couple of hours or so while we took off. What was Jack's last name? Do you remember Jack's last name? Jack and Lou, but I'm trying to think of his last name. It's been a long time, Brandon. It's been a long time. It's okay. Just curious. What was uh? So, what type of spouse would you say Grandpa Dick was? Was he a good spouse to you? How did he treat you? Well, he wasn't. He had seen uh, his temperament of his father with trying to bash his mother around a bit. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't believe in that type of thing. He didn't lay a hand on me. You know, he wasn't a mean alcoholic. Yeah. Was he verbally abusive at all or or when he'd get on his binges or was he? Not really, not really. You know, to have to be involved in the business with him was bad because of worrying about his trips out of town and everything when he would go to other venues to measure bowling balls and then we would drill them and mail them. Mm-hmm. That's okay. That's just your phone ringing. Mail them back to the bowling alley, you know, for the customer. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. Grandma Ruth's phone's ringing. She still has a cell phone at 96 years old, but she didn't want to put it on silent because she was worried that she might not be able to uh, get it off of silent. So we have to leave it on. So if you hear some ringing telephone, it's just uh, Grandma Ruth and her world is checking in on her because she gets several phone calls a day to make sure she's still alive and kicking. (laughs) So she's going to have to wait a minute till we wrap up this podcast and then... uh, then she can answer her phone. So uh, he was a pretty good spouse then, but it was uh, difficult to uh, maybe work with him the last couple of years yes, there because he was probably, I would assume he's a little bit stressed out and, and worried if you're drinking typically. And I guess he was a smoker. You're probably trying to to mask a little bit of pain there, I would assume in my experience. And the, problem, the problem, Brandon, and, and when I think how easy it was for him to quit when the cancer man said you realize why this why why you have this it's definitely the cigarette smoke he walked out of the hospital had a cigarette never smoked again really mm-hmm. amazing so cold turkey good for him so let's talk, Grandma, about your number two hubby. His name was uh, Grandpa Ray. Ray Richens, right? Yes. Uh, what year did you marry him? 1974. And he lived till what year did he pass away? He only lived eight years, Brandon. Really? That was the sad part. So 1982? Yep. Wow. So you were married to him for eight years. And uh, tell me just a 
briefly about Grandpa Ray. What, what was your relationship like with him? Very good. He worshipped the ground I walked on. Oh, wonderful. And he was a very good father to Kelly. Yeah. Excellent father. Mm. Were the other kids gone when you married him? Were they out of the house? Yes. They were. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kelly was the only one home. Only one still home. He was the baby. Yeah. And then Ray, uh, what did he do for work? He was a truck driver, truck an online driver, driver but a in-town yeah. delivery. Yeah. And I remember him, uh, you guys bought a motorhome. I remember you took us to Disneyland when I was probably mm-hmm. 10 or 12 years old with all the cousins. We traveled quite a bit, and yeah. he was so looking forward to retiring at 60. Yeah. And he was turning 60, of course, when he passed. Really? Wow. So. Isn't that amazing? You look forward to retiring, and then you retire, and you move on. How, how did he pass away? He had a burst aorta. Oh, yeah. He'd had a lot of blood pressure problems that they weren't seeming to be able to solve. And I don't know just exactly why that oh. happened. Happened. Hmm. And then um, you got married again to your number three husband, which name his name was Howard. What year did you marry Howard? Not until 1998. Wow. So you were single for 16 years. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And, and Howard passed away in 2000. And how long has it been since he passed? Three years? 2000? 2012. 2012. It's been that long? Mm-hmm. Seven years ago. Well, it seems like yesterday. And tell me a little bit about Howard. Where'd you meet him? How'd you know him? Oh, I knew him. He came uh, to Lehigh to high school from uh, 10th grade on. His father worked for the railroad and was transferred to Lehigh to work in the interurban station in Lehigh. The interurban went from Lehigh to Salt Lake. Yeah. And he was transferred, so he he was we, he was he was dating a couple of the girls in the group of ten that I ran with, and we had been friends all our lives yeah. from then on. Huh. He buried my cousin first. He married your cousin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who was that? Who who was that, Grandma? Uh, Beth. Beth. Huh. So where did you rekindle, or how did you run into Howard in the late 1990s? Mainly through Irene coming to town, and we would go to lunch together, Yeah, the three of us. Yes. And then how was your um, married life with Howard for 14 years? It was good until the last three years or so when he wasn't feeling well and when the dementia was beginning. Mm -hmm. And he was having some up and downs with his blood pressure, and it wasn't an easy time. Yeah, a little rough towards the end there. And he passed away, didn't he? Fell over on the steps going into the house or something? With a heart attack. Yeah, and had a heart attack. Wow. 
So three husbands that all passed on before you did. You've, you've, uh, you've done well to outlive them all, Grandma. Are you going to get married again soon? <laughs> we walked out of the church after Howard's funeral, and Kelly stood at the door, and he said, Mother, please tell me you are never going to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> and did you say okay? <laughs> I certainly did. <laughs> So we're not looking for a wedding here anytime soon? No, I don't think so. No, you're good? I'm good. You could uh, marry some young buck, Grandma, and and, uh, be a sugar mama. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Brandon, I I think one of the worst occasions in my life, other than deaths, have been when I had to take the business down. Yeah. And that was in 19, uh, probably 89. That was very difficult for me. And, you know, there was too much competition. We were indebted. And I had to, I wouldn't go bankrupt. And so I sold my home to pay off the indebtedness. Mm -hmm. And then I knew I had to get a job to exist. And I was crying for three weeks. And my dad (laughs) would call Morna each day because Morna was working in Salt Lake. And he would say, how was she doing today? Is she still crying today? Morna would say, yes, I was. And so where Dad didn't swear, Mm -hmm. he called me up and he said, when are you going to get through the damn bawling and get out and find yourself a job? (laughs) (laughs) Those are some good words of advice. (laughs) So, So anyway... I did get out and find myself a job, but I had very much difficulty finding a job. But you got a wonderful job working up at the University of Utah in the gift shop, right? Yeah, well, it wasn't really just the gift. It it was the candy and and newspaper counter and stuff. I was controlling that end of the union building. Uh, The bowling alley was controlled by another fellow. But I had the balance of the bottom floor of the union building, the billiard tables and the video games and the candy counter. Yeah. Wow. And you met a lot of neat kids up there. I did. Probably kept you young. It just, it was wonderful. They they would come and tell me their love affairs, their troubles they were having, and (laughs) lean over the counter. and, And I employed several of them. And the one little gal that I did have some trouble with is she didn't show up at work one day because she was having trouble with her boyfriend was a gal named Lulu from Taiwan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when she showed up at work her next shift, I said, you know what's going to happen? And she said, no. And I said, if that ever happens again, and she was my best employee, I said, if that ever happens again, you're through. Oh, I can't be. I need my job so bad. And I said, well, then just remember, I never had trouble with her after that. 
we still call each other back and forth. She lives in California and is married wow. and has two children and has had breast cancer. And wow. So She's been through her trials and tribulations like it seems all humans have. Mm-hmm. That's neat. You still keep in touch with her. I got to ask you about your your three husbands, Grandma. When you move on from here, which one do you want? Which one are you going to go hang out with? <laughs> well, in that they all have wives. Sure. Uh, not all by, by first, but I'm sure that's where I'll yeah. end up. <laughs> so you'll, you'll, you'll be hanging out. And I'm out. hoping that uh, he's not 48 and I'm 100. Yeah, well, uh, uh, yeah, that would be interesting to see. How do you solve that? <laughs> yeah, well, I would say, Grandma, um, has your mind ever felt old? No, no. No. So doesn't your mind feel the same age today as maybe it did 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago? Somebody asked me a question the other day. They said, have you ever gotten to the point where you think, oh, I've had enough of this, you know? There's been so many problems and everything that you just felt like giving up. Yeah. I never have. No. I never have had that experience. Yeah. You're, you're a go-getter. And, I, and I'm not sure I'm looking forward to death at this point. Yeah. Well, you've always been a go-getter, Grandma, and you've, you've definitely beat the odds. Her I nickname should. in the family was Ramrod Ruthie because she always went 100 miles an hour growing up. I think when we'd go up to the cabin, you'd vacuum... The cabin every single day, I remember as a child. Things had to be spotless and in their place, or Ramrod Ruthie would get the vacuum out and go to town. That was what they called right? me. And you were a goer, and, and uh, good for you, right? But back to the mind, Grandma. So I wonder, we live in this body um, while we're here on Earth, but if our mind never feels old, which you're 96, and does your mind feel any different today than it did no, it doesn't. 10 or 20 years ago, it so... It doesn't. I feel badly because I can't do my embroidery, and I have difficulty with the reading now because I have to use flashlights. The book has to have a spacing between the lines, and the print has to be darker or or order a book with, you know, the large print, but the large prints aren't in every book that you want to read. Yeah. So what I would say, Grandma, is uh, you're in this body, but you're, this is just, you're using this as a vehicle for however many years you, just, you hang out here, but I think your mind is what you take on with you. So your mind's still going to be the same age as Dick's. It's just your body has aged. Mm-hmm. Body so physically ages. you age, but the mind never ages because look at you when you were 10 or 20, now look at you at 96, and I can speak the same way. My mind never feels old. I just notice a few more aches and pains as I mm-hmm. age. Yeah, And, and so that's the problem with old age is, you know, your, your legs start feeling weaker. Mm-hmm. And I've, I exercise and do the different things that I've learned in physical therapy and all. But you still, you know, aren't what you were sure. when it comes to walking. Right. And I'm surprised that I can still do it without the yeah. cane or the walker. Yeah. Yeah. And I have both. Sure. And I do use the cane occasionally up to the lake yeah. when I'm out, you know, doing the watering of the plants and stuff to get out yeah. on the deck or... 
different yeah. things. So yeah, you, st- you do really well, and your mind is is still sharp as a tack. It's amazing. As I mentioned before, your memory's incredible. Um, talk about a little bit, Grandma, about all the books you've read. I, I, I know you're basically a speed reader. You can read a book in 500-page book in two or three or four days. Yes. Can you still I, read that I quickly? Still, I still love it, and I'm slower doing it now slower, because yeah. of the situation. I'm pleased with the new flashlights that I ended up with at Christmas time after seeing one down in San Diego at the condo. Yeah. And I can just take it out of the wall and it recharges. It's in a little section that recharges itself. Yeah. So I have three of those around the house and have one right by my chair that I can just yeah. read with. So, How many books, Grandma, do you believe you've read in your lifetime? Oh, honey, I would have no idea. I, I have Thousands. Thousands. Because you read one to two books a week when you were mm-hmm. really good at it. Now do you average one a week or one every other week? About one a week now. One a week. And how many hours a day do you read typically? Well, now that I'm so addicted to the <laughs> Fox News and the politics, yeah. There's certain shows that I want to watch right. in the evening. Yeah. And so then I might read in between different ones yeah. or I read an hour or so before I go to bed. Yeah. So you get I, I loved reading in bed before this eye situation started. Yeah. So you average maybe two to three hours a day? No, I would say maybe two, two at hours this a point. Day. And back in the day, you used to read three or four or five hours a day, didn't you? Yeah, sometimes longer. Yeah, I, w- I wish I had all the knowledge of uh, the books that you've got in your mind. I wish I could take your mind and use it for a month or two one day. Wouldn't that be amazing to have all the knowledge you have uh, and all the history that's that's up there in that beautiful mind of yours? And uh, and I'm mean, so you know the the knowledge with the political scene. This is the most disturbing thing I think that has ever happened in politics. Yeah, politics can, that might be for a whole nother podcast, Grandma. We could probably talk about that for 10 hours, couldn't we? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's a absolutely. crazy, interesting world out there. But what I like to think about that, Grandma, is if I argue with reality, I suffer. Byron Katie says if you ever argue with reality, you suffer 100% of the time. So I like to just you know, roll with the punches and, and look for the well, benefit you can do. and all things. Otherwise, you suffer and you it's painful. Yeah. What about two, Grandma? You've journaled your whole life. Yes. Well, there's been different sections where I haven't. Yeah. And I've had a reason for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, who wants to even do yeah. this? Right. You know, who wants to even read it? Yeah. But I have been more faithful with it, I think, since, oh, I don't know, since the cancer, maybe. And I'm still wondering where the journal has gone that is the seven months of Dick's cancer. Yeah. I, I think my mom has it. Or maybe Vicki has it. It's around. Because we read it, and then I think we gave it to my mom. 
Your mom sure. doesn't think she has it. Oh, she doesn't. Yeah. It's around. But it's, yeah. it's around somewhere. Yeah. And I, I think Vicki put it on discs for them, but I don't know that it worked. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's an amazing read. Um, so when did you start journaling? How young were you? Do you remember the first time you wrote in a journal? Oh, I think it was after. I, I think it was uh, before Dick's death. Yeah. I don't think I did much of it much before, before then. Huh. So around 1970-ish, or after his death, 73 or 4, 72? Well, I went through that journal, and then I journaled quite a bit from then on. Yeah. Imagine the history that you're going to have in there for the last 50 years. Wow. It's going to be a fun I don't, read. I don't know that anybody will like reading what I go through every day. You of know, course. What I mean, but Imagine the history you're going to have written down there in black and white. be amazing. Um, let's talk a little bit about your religion and growing up, Grandma. You mentioned earlier when we were discussing that uh, you were raised in the LDS church, um, which is uh, uh, the prominent church in the state of Utah. But you said on Sunday there was three church meetings. There was a morning session that was three hours, an afternoon session that was two or three hours, and an evening session that was two hours. So it was a good six or seven hours of church, and, and they also taught a lot of homemaking skills. Tell me just briefly about um, the church meetings back in well, the Well, you know, we had primary... Yeah. And Sunday school and mutual, uh-huh. and so you had all those different avenues right. that the different things were taught. And what else did you do there? There were lessons. There were lessons, and it's pretty much you know the the session, the sessions were pretty much like it is now. You know, where you have the speaker and the yeah. and the different talks and the sacrament and and then you go to the classes or go to you go to Sunday school and then you go to Relief Society. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much the way they the main meeting was then. Yeah. But then you still had another series of the talking and stuff in the second one and the third one, but and the singing. Yeah. And my mother had the most beautiful contralto voice. Really? And everything had to be re... Uh, I don't know what you call it. When you have to... When it isn't in the, in her range, Yeah. everything would have to be read it. Huh. Yeah. Done for her. But she sang at over 500 funerals in her life. Wow. She had kept a journal of the mm-hmm. funerals that she sang at. And her name was Leota, mm-hmm. right? And your uh, dad's name was Virgil Peterson. Wonderful. Tell me a little bit about the religion, Grandma. So as your, as your mindset or thoughts changed on religion over 96 years from back in the early 1900s to today, any no, changes of thought? it has never changed. No. It has never changed. Yeah. And we I think everybody needs a belief in God. Yeah. And some are one thing and some are another. Yeah. And I have friends that are 
Methodists, friends that are Presbyterian, you know, different religions, and they were all wonderful people. Yeah. So do you think, is, is there only one true church? I believe that, but I understand a lot of people don't. <laughs> so. Well, they might believe it too, but they might believe that their church is true. Right. 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 So probably everybody believes that whatever they're doing, whatever they're following is is their way. Um, what about uh, uh, heaven? And obviously, you, you know, we talked about you believe in God, you believe in heaven, and then do you believe in hell or Satan? What's your thoughts on Satan and hell? Yes, I, I don't know exactly what he would be. Uh, you assume it's a male character, but I don't know if anyone knows for sure. Yeah. I don't think anybody knows because no one's seen him, have they? No one's shaken his hand yet, have they? Pardon? Has anybody seen him? Has anybody seen Satan? I don't think so. Yeah. And maybe. Maybe. Some some of these people that are drugging say they say lots of different things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they could be seeing something that appears to look like a crazy human, but... I don't know anybody that's met him, so I wonder if he exists. No, no, no. So, I think I had a good Samaritan once. Yeah. I uh, that was in my day when I went to Oakland from San yeah. Francisco, and I didn't have much money, and I didn't realize how far the bus depot was from the boarding house I was going to. Yeah. So I decided to walk rather than pay bus fare. And I'd had this long stroll and wasn't really feeling that well that day. And I finally thought, oh, I just can't go any further. So I sat down on a wall, a kind of a cement wall that was along the sidewalk of one of the homes. And I knew I was fairly close, mm -hmm. but I just was exhausted. I'd been carrying my suitcase, my belongings, and so I was sitting there, and I didn't see him approach, and the fellow said, I, could I help you? He said, you, you don't look like you feel very well. He said, uh, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to this certain boarding house, and he said, well, you're not too far away. But he said, why don't I just carry your belongings and take you there? And I said, oh, I would appreciate that. And so we walked along to the boarding house, and he didn't say a whole lot to me, just asked, you know, why I was, why I was there. And I said I had a husband in the service and hoped I was going to get to see him occasionally, you know, by being there. And so then we got to the boarding house, and uh, I rang the bell for her, yeah, and uh, she came to the door and was welcoming me, and I turned around to thank him, and there was no one there. Wow. So maybe you believe in angels? Yes, I do. Wow. I certainly do. Yeah. I think it feels really good to believe in angels, but I'm not so sure it feels very good to and believe in I've Satan. And I spoke with many that were in that Cokeville. 
you know, where the fellow was going to blow up the school yeah. in Coatville, Wyoming. And they said definitely they couldn't see them, but they could feel them, hmm. helping them get out of the windows and stuff. Yeah. Hmm. And I've read that book. It's very interesting. Which book is that? When was Cokeville? Yeah, it's a, I think it says... I think it says something about this. I can't, I can't remember the name of it. Your mother will know. Hmm. It's something about it. But he was going to kill a, a whole room full of children. How long ago was this? It was about when we were at the lake at the time. I'm trying to think the year it was. So I'm not, I'm not familiar with that story. It's, it's fairly recent because the, the people that built the house next to me, north of me, mm -hmm. he was one of the children, one of the mm -hmm. son-in-laws was one of the children. Huh. And he was about uh, 25 or so at the time when he talked to me about it. And that's been probably 10 years ago. Maybe. Mm -hmm. So it's been... 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. Tell me, Grandma. But they had a movie about it. Yeah. Was it Columbine? No. Not the Columbine shooting. No. Something different. No. Your mother. I think your mother had. Who did I borrow the book from? Becky, I think. Hmm. Um, tell me, Grandma, just briefly about your children and what they're up to recently. So you've got four kids, right? Yes. Tell me about them from just a brief description and, and how they're all doing today. Well, Georgia, your mother is our oldest. Mm -hmm. And uh, Greg is three years younger. Vicki is, let's see, she is three, four years probably younger than Greg. And then Kelly is six years younger than Vicki. Mm -hmm. So my mom's 75, I think, 74 or 5. Greg's, your mom was what? She's 74 or 5? She'll be 75 yeah. in August. And then Greg's and Greg 71? And 72 in April. And then Vicky's 60. And Vicky's turned 65. And Kelly is, let's see, Vicky is probably now... 67 because going on 68 because Kelly's 62. Yeah. And so tell me uh, how they're all doing. I know Kelly's, start with Kelly. He's been struggling. He's back in the hospital the last few days with some stomach issues and a bacteria that uh, has come back. He was in the hospital for three or four months last year or the year before. He was in for most of the year. Yeah. Off and on with the operations. And yeah, with everything some that was going on. Stomach issues, right? He's had his a lot of his stomach and colon removed. And yeah, uh, the, well, the, it was mainly intestine more than it was colon when it was over with. Mm. Split intestines. Yeah. And you don't have as much intestine as you have colon. Yeah. So they have to be careful. Right. And that has been my most serious operation. It was my colon operation. Really? 
I've only had two DNCs after having children and a back operation in 1998, and then the colon operation when I was 93. You've done pretty well for yourself. I have. Wow. I have. I've been blessed with excellent health, health. other, other yeah. than asthma, which I no longer have either. Yeah. You've overcome taking your, your medication and your vitamins and your supplements My and vitamins. your minerals. Yeah, doing great with... Uh, Q96 is uh, what you attribute that to, right? Yeah. Getting some good vitamins and minerals into your system. So uh, tell me a little bit about Kelly, Grandma. How much does that worry you as a mother to have a child that's been in the hospital? For I think that is your main year. worry as a mother is that you don't want any of your children to do part before you do. Yeah. And I think he was nothing but a miracle when it was all over because it was, it was something that they, I felt if he'd have gotten a consult a little bit earlier on and ended up with the doctor that he finished with, he wouldn't have had that much problem. But then you do what you think is the right thing and hopefully you have the right person which I definitely did for mine because in going into American Fork Hospital and being diagnosed and having the four-day stay, I knew very well they did not offer, want to operate on me because of my age. Because, you know, you and in, and in going in and being operated on by the woman doctor that I was, uh, the anesthesiologist said, you know how upsetting this is mm -hmm. to us because he said, you know, a woman your age usually do not end up with your mental faculties after the anesthesia. Mm -hmm. And I said, I know that because I experienced it with my brother's wife, Mary. Mm -hmm. She was never the same and spent the rest of her life three years in a rest facility and never did remember that she was married to my brother. Wow. And so I said to him, well, my kids say I have a mind like an elephant. I never forget anything, and I want it when I come out. Yeah. And he said, well, I'll do my best for you, but I'm worried about you having been asthmatic mm -hmm. and, and the problems we might encounter. Yeah. But he said, I promise you I'll do the best I can. He said, you know, we now uh, use a system of blowing out with oxygen, which I really didn't understand at that point. But anyway, I came out of it with <laughs> my faculties, and your mother and Kelly were standing there, and, and I asked, you know, about how long I'd been and whatever, and Kelly said, well, mother, we won't worry about your mind from now on. Yeah. So. Uh, it's sharp as a tack. So tell me, uh, so Kelly uh, in the hospital, uh, is supposed to go home today, recovering well. I got a text from Joan. She said he's doing good, so we're crossing our fingers that he keeps moving forward. Um, and then uh, what about Vicky, Grandma? How's, what's Vicky up to recently? 
I really don't know. Yeah. You haven't talked to her in a while? No. No? I, I have never had any response. Yeah. How many years has it been since you've spoken with her, do you think? Hmm. Seven or eight, probably. Yeah. Huh. That's a tough one. Um, she's a sweet lady. And, uh, and we do birthdays and Christmas. Yeah. So you communicate on birthdays yes. and Christmas, you yes. do gifts, but no, no email communication or no, no phone communication, no zero communication. It's too bad. I love Aunt Vicky. She's a sweet lady and just another beautiful human that's believing her thoughts, right? Believing some negative thoughts about her world, and I sure'd love to sit with her and give her a hug and chat with her for an hour or two because I, I sure miss her. She was a sweet lady. And then after Vicky, there's Greg. What's Greg up to? Well, he retired early because I guess fairly early, not probably before he wanted to after that bad fall that wrecked his back. And he's had his several back operations and still has problems. But he seems to be doing well, and he loves his home and his tractors, and that's one thing he went to the farm to help Dad and Paul when he was a kid, mm -hmm. and he wishes he'd have farmed for yeah. his life. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he tractors for some of the neighbors and <laughs> whatever out there and thoroughly yeah. enjoys himself. And, and the, the farming's in his blood. He lives in Heber? Yes. Or Midway? Yeah. Neat. And then um, what about my mom, Georgia, your oldest child? How's she doing? Wonderfully well. Wonderfully well. Wonderfully well. And we have, a, I have a good, very good relationship with the three of my children. Yeah. Yeah, it's neat to Speak see. Speak to most of them daily. Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she tells me, she, I think you talked to her every morning at 9 or 9.30. Right, to tell her I'm up. Yep. And is there an evening phone call, too, or just a morning phone call? Just a morning. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's doing amazing. She got divorced and remarried, and uh, she's as happy as I've ever seen her. Yes, I think so. And isn't that lovely to see as a mother, your, your, your children happy? It is. Isn't that all we want for our kids? That's all you want. It is yeah. all you want for yeah, your kids. For sure. Yeah, it's fun to watch her. her and and I, I worry about Johnny. Well, she's been an absolute angel to go through all she's had to go through with Kelly. Yeah, and Joan is married to Kelly, and she's she's been a rock star taking care of him and being just an amazing spouse for him to sit with him nearly every day in the hospital and sleep there and... She's been a, his best cheerleader, and uh, she's a really sweet woman also, for sure. And my mom and I have a group that we do together every other week, so I get to see her every other week and usually more, and we travel together and do a lot of stuff with this Byron Katie stuff, and we've really become best friends. She's a, I couldn't ask for a better uh, mother. And John and your mother, you know, coming 
every two weeks. They're taking turns every two weeks coming to take me to the grocery store and have my hair do done that day. And I just couldn't appreciate that more than I do at this yeah. point. Yeah. Let's talk about some funny stuff, Grandma. I got a couple uh, funny uh, um, events that have taken place in your life that I want you to... Uh, I want to see your version of it. Um, there's a story of when Greg and my dad, Jerry, were boating at Bear Lake in the evening, and I believe they were intoxicated. And uh, maybe you could tell the story, um, but they were uh, driving the boat, I think it was late at night, midnight, maybe later, and somehow the boat ended up on the highway. The, there was very little sand. It was down at the south end. Uh -huh. Tell me the story. Toward the highway. Yeah. And what happened? Can you recall what happened? Well, they had some people help them eventually. <laughs> I don't know why somebody was out that late. Yeah. What time was it? Oh, I think it was 2 or 3 in the morning when they got back. Really? And I could have <laughs> you could have what? killed the two of them <laughs> at that point. <sighs> because that's when he was not feeling well with yeah. the cancer. Yeah. So that was when Dick was still alive? Yes. And they were out partying on the boat. And that would have been very serious yes. <laughs> if he had known. Really? Oh, he, did, yes. he doesn't know about the story? No, I'm he sure He kept not. it from him? Didn't want to cause him any more harm. So I what happened? Sure. How did they end up from the water onto the up and onto the beach and onto the road in a boat? Well, I think they thought, if you've ever been on Bear Lake after dark and they have turned the lights off the marina, uh -huh. which is the only lighting yeah. at that point. You know, now yeah. there's a lot of homes that may have lights on on the sides. <laughs> but down there where there's no light, you know, that was very possible. I went back from Tapper's house one night to Brady's house when we didn't have our home, and we were trailering behind Brady's house, and we were invited to a party out to Tapper's, and Brady didn't realize his lights weren't working on the boat, and they had turned off the lights at the marina, Oh, you can imagine how black to find your way back to where really? you're going. Huh. And then Phil Tapper, Mrs. Tapper, her card ladies were out on the boat and had been out all day. And they stayed out too long. And they were trying to find their way home after dark. And the same thing had happened. And when we realized that she had not come back yet and knew that they were out there, then Dick and them built a great big bonfire, mm -hmm. knowing that she would recognize that because we always had a bonfire most every night. Mm -hmm. And she wouldn't come over, but Gil would always come over and spend the evening with the kids, mm -hmm. loved every minute of it, around the bonfire. Mm -hmm. And so that's how she found her way home. Really? But if you, if you knew how dark it really is... You would understand how they did what they did, yeah. thinking they were headed up the lake, which right. they were not. Yeah. They were headed uh, across the lake, up the beach, and onto the highway. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so, in a 22-foot uh, ski boat. Pretty uh, funny story. We've heard that story several times in our in our lifetime. What about another thought at Bear Lake, Grandma, when uh, the, they were trying to get teach you how to water ski? That's another story that pops up. Share that story with us. And I don't swim, and I didn't really want to do it, but they were doing it with the rowboat like they'd been teaching all of you to do it. And so, though you can do this, well, then they decided to use the bigger boat, I guess, with the, that day with it. Got me all geared up for it and everything. <laughs> oh, man. It was... <laughs> you didn't get up on your skis, Grandma? No, I could not. I no. could not. You know, I'm, I'm frightened of water. And it's amazing that I love it as much as I do. Yeah. Because I, and, and a new friend of mine up there, uh, Lee Murdoch from St. George, Anne was going to teach her to swim this year. Yeah. And Lee said, you could come and learn with me. And I said, oh, no, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Especially not at this age. Yeah. So anyway. Wow. But the, my funniest experience, I think, with the rowboat and the paddle boat which I love to do, go down with either one and see everything along the beach from yeah. the side that you don't see it from the highway. So Connor, I think he maybe was, oh, 10 or so when this happened. And we'd, I said to Connor, let's go out in the paddle boat today and just go paddle down the beach. Well, we did and came back and came up to the dock and... I said, now, Connor, you've got to hold the boat while I climb out. So he gets out on the dock, and he's holding the side of the paddle boat. And I'm trying to get out. <laughs> he's holding, and the paddle boat is moving, moving. <laughs> and I'm stretching, stretching. <laughs> and all of a sudden... I just fell in. Yeah. Because what else do you do? Yeah. You know, the boat was gone and he couldn't hold yeah. on any longer. And, and he's standing there and I don't know whether he's going to laugh or cry. And, Grandma, Grandma, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I said, Well, now just go get a towel and everything for me because I'm going to go in the outside shower, bring these clothes down and bring a towel. <laughs> That's where I ended up. But, Grandma. He never has forgotten that one. That's a funny one. When you were trying to water ski, I remember, didn't, weren't you getting ready and somebody was in the boat and said, hit it, and you weren't quite ready, and you just dumped your face right underwater? Yeah, yeah. Who yelled, hit it? And Who you did? weren't ready, yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> I can't remember if it was your dad or if it was Greg. I think it was one of the kids, like... Kelly or Greg or maybe even Barry or Tony, like maybe. No, I don't think it was them. I don't. I don't no. think they were old enough then. Because you weren't quite ready, is the story. And my dad was driving or something, and somebody just said, "Well, yeah, hit it." And yeah, hit the it. slack wasn't out of the. <laughs> yeah, I think it was your dad and Greg. Yeah, that's a that's a so. funny funny story. Um, what 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 uh, other. Experiences of Bear Lake, any other crazy experience or thoughts you have about Bear Lake, your home sweet home? 
Well, lots of experiences, honey. I've loved all of you with the taking to the, especially going out to Lava with all of you and everything, those experiences that we've had. Yeah, he took us, uh, we pretty much have gone up there since I was one or two years old, um, 1971. The cabin was completed in 72, so I think I've been up there every single year my whole life. Yeah, to Bear I imagine Lake, you have. Whether we were in your cabin or uh, Barry's cabin. And now or, in Barry's. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we've missed a, a single year, and except for maybe when we weren't living in the state of Utah. But, boy, we sure had a, amazing memories up there. We learned a lot. We could... S- ski right off the front porch. Literally, the water would hit oh, the porch. Oh, yes, and I'm hoping for that this year, honey. Yeah, the lake was full. It, it can't not be full this year because yeah. this has been a far worse winter than that one was two years ago when it yeah. came up. Yeah, we're hoping the water gets another five or ten feet from the porch and we used to uh, jump right off the porch. Kelly the said it was up to, you know, the, there's not much rock or anything along down south. But, of course, South End fills up first before we do. It was still out quite a ways from the dock when they were there Saturday. Yeah, Bear Lake. It's Bear Lake, Idaho. It's a beautiful place, and she's got a cabin right on the water that's just almost to the north end where Fish Haven, about a mile away from the Fish Haven, uh, Idaho. Tell me too, Grandma. What has your what have you learned in what has life taught you about taking care of yourself? You've been here for ninety six years. What have you learned? A couple biggest lessons on what you've learned on how to take care of yourself. In what regard, honey? I don't know. Like what? What have you learned over the years that? Uh, You've been around longer than most humans on this planet. I don't think there's too many well, people I've around. There's a lot of hard work to it. Yeah. Gotta. And especially when you're trying to support yourself between marriages. Yeah. And life. Mm-hmm. And then you outlive your money eventually, which yeah. is not a good thing. Right. But that's what's happening, you know. Yeah. But I've been very fortunate to have that opportunity to go back to Lehigh with Marna purchasing the condo and me renting from her. And that's a very easy place to live. You know, no stairs, no, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, and so many wonderful people. And of course, you, you meet them and then they pass away. That's the problem with 55 and over, you yeah. know. But, yeah. But it's been very good. It has. And you've been able to survive, Grandma. I mean, you've, uh, I don't think you've gone without yet. No, I haven't. I haven't, and I've been able to run both places. Yeah, because you're in Lehigh. I felt fortunate because of that. Half the year, Bear Lake, half the year, and you can afford to do both. The cabin's paid for. And I'm not sorry that I've traveled as much as I have or anything. Yeah. You know, you would end up more money if you weren't spending like crazy. Right. But it's all been so worthwhile, everything yeah. I've done. I've, I've enjoyed so much, and I'm not sorry for one minute of it, of what I've yeah. seen and, and done. Yeah, you've had a beautiful life. A lot of obstacles and hurdles and struggles, but 
You've had a pretty yes. amazing life. You've been a fortunate young lady when you look back on it, right? And yeah. look how amazing you are. And I'm so happy that my children are as well set as they all are, yeah. you know, right. that they have been successful business yeah. people. Sure. All of them. Yeah, yeah. They're all talented. And have had good lives, good yeah. lives. For sure. Do you feel like, Grandma, do you mer- are you learning more about life now, or was there a, sp- a particular time in life when you when you learned a whole bunch? You think I'm learning more at this age? I don't know. Are you learning more now in the last five years, or did you learn more uh, the previous 10 or 20 or 30 years? Probably all the way along, honey, yeah. with your lumps and bumps. Yeah. All those learning opportunities. And it's not been easy yeah. a great part of the time. Yeah. Yeah, you've been through a lot on this bed. You know, I've made a lot of different friends. A lot of them have passed. A lot of them you have the services of and then no longer have. Uh, that last one that's hit me so hard has been Nurse Anne. Mm-hmm. That has been the... A blow to me. Yeah. Her suicide. Yeah. She had a beautiful nurse taking care of her the last several years up at Bear Lake that would come by and take her shopping and take her to get her hair done. And uh, she decided to move on a couple months ago. So now Grandma's going up to the cabin and she's got to find some new, beautiful human beings mm-hmm. to support her. And I'll, I'll see her running up and down those steps doing this and that. And yeah. It's really been it's really been a blow, because yeah. it's just like one of my own children. Sure, yeah, know? she really took good care she of you. She was that good to me. She was another angel that showed up in your life, Grandma. That's right, absolutely. And I've noticed that we've discussed the last few weeks or month or so that people are now showing up already. You're leaving to Bear Lake Friday for another six month adventure and uh, you've already got people offering to take you to get your hair done to take you shopping yeah it's amazing when you just trust the universe that things will just fall right into place it, and the people it, that you it, need it they has, show up every day it has done all my life yeah. For and it may not have been the just like the jobs they may not have been the most moneyed or whatever but they appeared when they were supposed to. <laughs> right on time. Mm-hmm. No accidents. Always taken care of until so, you think you're not. It's just strange. And then my children have been so good to help out with the moves and the, you know, and getting me back and forth to Bear Lake and doing whatever needs to be done. Yeah. I miss Kelly's help, dread, help dreadfully, you know, yeah. at this point. Sure. But yep, his health's a little, uh, a little uh, under the weather right now. But here again, Grandma, um, I know he went up there this week and took his kids up there and got the cabin all ready, the plumbing ready, the dishwasher ready, and yeah. and so. here again few more angels just fallen right into place and I know there's several other people that could assist you with that too and it's not Kelly's job to do that the rest of his life he probably is due for a break right 
Yeah. Let him rest and relax a little and a little less stress yeah. on his shoulders and let, let yeah. myself or Barry or Tony or whoever were happy. Oh, to Barry's help been out. so good. And yeah. so was Tony. Yeah. You know, Tony took me there two different times. Yeah. Because Kelly was incapacitated. Yeah. Tony. And then Barry, I'll find him outside weeding that little strip of beach early in the morning on a weekend saying he's just relieving his stress. Yeah, that's what he does. <laughs> he's always got a project, even if it's just pulling weeds or digging weeds. He's He's got to be moving. But Barry's my brother and older brother. Tony's my oldest brother, and, and they've helped Grandma out a whole bunch at Bear Lake. And I got amazing brothers, I got to admit. I'm a lucky human being to be dropped into such a, an amazing family. All my brothers are incredible. Um, how about, Grandma, do you have any regrets on this, on, in this world as you look back on your 96 years on this planet? Anything you regret? Well, one thing that I won't mention, but other than that. <laughs> so, other something than that's that, rated R that you don't no, want to admit, I, I Grandma, to the so. world? I don't think so. Yeah. Any other regrets other than the, the doozy that you don't want to discuss? And I don't even know what that is. <laughs> so what's your... you got to have more than one regret, or maybe you don't. Any other regrets or things that you wish maybe would have gone different? You know, I don't I don't think so. I wish I could I wish I could say you know a regret was that I had to take the business down, but there's no telling how long I would have survived running it either, you know. And it's and it worked out just fine. The cabinet company was great for a little while and and the U was a lot of fun, probably my most fun job out of the bunch of them for seven years. Yeah. So. Well, there you go. You you closed down your business so you could go have fun and just worry about you. You didn't have to worry yeah. about employees yeah. and paying rent, so. covering payroll, paying yeah. utilities. I mean, yeah. that was a probably a huge stress reliever yeah. once you got done crying for three weeks and mourning, right? Yes, so there really was no problem there other than what you were thinking and believing for three weeks. Yes, so. Don't you think? And, you know, I, I, was, I was smart in paying the cabin off with his insurance mm. so that that worked out just fine. Yeah. Haven't had that worry other than keeping it up, you know. Yeah. Huh. So. Not too many regrets. I like that because... Uh, if you got too many regrets on this planet, you're arguing with your past, and if you argue with your past, you're gonna you're gonna have a little bit of pain to go along with. I wish my life would have been different, because if you sit in that, you sit in the past instead of sitting in the present. Yeah. So let's accept what happened in the past and and be right here, right now. What advice, Grandma, would you give to say myself or your grandkids? And you know, you got tons of grandchildren. Yes, Any advice you would give us after you? I been love here? them all, and yeah. and I think that they're not living in a good age with yeah. all this electronics. I think they're missing out on a lot of fun. Yeah, I find even the dating problem and everything is so much different than it was. Yeah, 
you know, it seems like the fellows just aren't dating. They're just getting together as groups, you know, sure. and having dinner or whatever, and they're they're missing out on a lot of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if there's as many high school dances as there used to be and different things, you know, entertainment that we had. And we had dance we had a dance hall between Lehigh and American Fork on that curve. Mm-hmm that you could go over to on a Saturday night with the date and the dancing. Yeah. It was so much fun, yeah. so much fun. Yeah. And I don't find the kids having that kind of fun anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different world, but I watch my kids, Grandma, and they sure are into technology, but I also watch them, and they, they seem like they're having a lot of fun. But mine are young, you know, they're 14 and 16, and, but, but boy, they sure seem to be happy and enjoying their life. So it's hard to say if kids are having fun or not fun, but I'm sure a lot of kids are, you know, having their struggles. But I think every human being on this planet's probably struggled no matter what yeah. year you were born or yeah. what, what generation you were brought what up generation? in. We all have our different struggles. I think uh, we just picked to deal with a technology struggle that currently yeah. exists. And you had your struggles. You dealt with a depression and Oh, yeah, with you the know, depression, and you know. And going to bed with a brick in your bed, yeah. and, I mean, we push a button and our houses and are 70 the, degrees. The, you know, the indoor plumbing was such a blessing when you're living like we were in the country, you know. Different things that, that advanced as we have moved along. Yeah. People used to say to my dad, oh, just think what you've seen through all those years. Now they're saying it to me. Yeah. Huh. It's, yeah. And I don't know that I've ever, you know, there's been the wars. That war was, it was terrible. It was. It was. It took so many young people's lives. And it was very, very hard to get through at that point. Yeah wasn't easy. Yeah. I think this world is, uh, lends us all some fun stuff to deal with. Different experiences all for our personal growth. What's your definition of success? Well, I've never really cared for a lot of money, you mm-hmm. know. As long as you've got enough to keep you and get by and have the things that you desire. Mm-hmm. You know, I never have wished for millionaire or anything, you know. Sure. Uh, I think with our uh, coming of age in that <laughs> period of time, you're lucky, you know, that you advanced as well as you did through mm-hmm. it all. Yeah when it comes to money making. Yeah. And that's what affects, you know, your social security and everything. That's mm-hmm. the fact that you didn't make the money right. that people make now. So that that has been quite a difference. Yeah. For sure. Of course things aren't ex- as expensive then in as they are now either, you know. Just yeah. think what homes have Yeah. Skyrocketed. Especially here in Utah, the prices are becoming pretty uh, 
almost unbearable for these young kids that are coming out of college and trying to succeed. But So what is your definition, Grandma, of success? Does it have to do with money or, or what? You've been around for a long time. Is success money or is it success peace of mind? Well, money is, I'm, I'm just been happy that my children have made the success of their lives like they have so that I don't have them at home living with me or anything and trying to help raise their children, right. which is happening to a lot of families yeah. at this point. Yeah. Well. And then the drug addiction has been terrible for sure. people. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to cope with children or grandchildren yeah. or whatever that are going through that phase. Yeah, trying to... Here again, put a Band-Aid on their anxiety and depression or their guilt or their shame that they were brought up with. But you still haven't answered my question, Grandma. What's the definition of success for you? You've been around the block a few times. Does success have to do with money or is success uh, a state well, of mind? Well, I, d- I don't know that it has strictly to do with money. I think it's rather you have made a success of what you have done. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have been successful in that I have never really gone without anything, you know, and I have been able to do what I have done and felt successful in doing it. So you're just glad that you were successful and were able to get by financially and it helped you yes. cope. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Would success though be like just being happy? Is that successful if you could take money out of the equation? If that to be happy without money? Yeah. Is that possible? I don't know in this day and age whether yeah. it is or not. I don't know either. I don't know, because it's taking so much. And I thought about that when I heard of the uh, black man that spoke at the college graduation the other day, the richest black man in America, Mm -hmm. and for him to offer to pay off all those college loans for those people. And when some of them said their amount, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it's incredible, college debt college debt yeah. and how do you cope with that in today's world and try to have a home and a family and whatever because yeah. I know my internist was still paying off his college loans at the time I stopped going to him 15 years ago yeah. because of insurance you know when I had to yeah. change insurance Yep. I, I think, Grandma, over the last 10 or 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, that college has become such a huge business. And the world has uh, um, kind of pushed us to believe that without college you can't be successful. And, you know, I don't know if I believe that anymore. Not with mm-hmm. some of the professors yeah. and what they peddle. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think uh, a better thing would be trade schools. Yeah. Which they kind of, you know, they haven't been really as successful as you hoped they would be. Yeah. 
because that's where the money is made, is, is in the trade you're in, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. I think trade schools are a wonderful, wonderful idea, but just my story is that the college has become such a business that we've been pounded into our brains that every single kid on the planet, if they don't get a college degree, they can't be successful financially and make money, but I'm not sure success equals financial Well, you've, you've gains. been very successful. Yeah, yes. I have been very fortunate, but I'm not sure successful by making money has made me happy. That's kind of why I asked the question, Grandma. It took me the last three or four years of doing some soul searching that money's not the key to my happiness. It's understanding my crazy mind and the way that it operates. And when I can understand my mind, that's success to me. So that's why I like uh, asking uh, the question. Because I'm not sure, uh, you know, but maybe you need a little bit of both. I'm I, not I know sure the money I helps. gave you the answer you want, but I don't know what other way to think about it. I feel like I've been successful in my life with being able to raise the children to the point that they are and as successful as they are and as happy, I hope, yeah. other than the one situation. But hmm. What about when you move on, Grandma? So you're 96 years old. I'm sure you've thought about death a couple days in your life. Uh, are you afraid to pass on? I'm not afraid to, but I really don't want to. Yeah. I'm like Marna. I'll go kicking and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't doubt that, Grandma. You've been doing it your whole life. So, so I don't see you moving anytime soon because you're a fighter. I just say I hope I do it in my sleep sometime and don't mm -hmm. end up in a rest facility or mm -hmm. something. But I think you'll go just the way you want to, Grandma. I think we... Uh, I actually think we get a pick. So however way you want to go, I'm pretty sure that that's the way you're going to well, go. Well, I'm, I'm certainly hoping so. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. What do you want uh, God to say to you, Grandma, when you get to the pearly gates? <laughs> that I have done well. Yeah. And, I, and I feel like I have done well. I think you've done more than well, Grandma. I think you've done an amazing job. You know, and I've always, I've always wanted to be successful as a mother and a grandmother. That has been one of my big successes in life. And the reaction I get from most of my grandchildren, it has all been worthwhile. Yeah. And if you can call that success, then I say yes, hallelujah, I, because it is. I'd call that success, Grandma. You, uh, you've been one of the most amazing grandmas, uh, you know, that, that I've had. Um, my main grandma since my dad's mom died when I was young. But uh, Yes, so you did the experience. I remember, that. Grandma, I don't think you've missed a birthday that I can remember in my lifetime of not getting a phone call or a gift. And I'm 47, so... Uh, and I know you do that for every single one of your grandchildren. Yes. And you have several. How many grandchildren do you have and great-grandchildren? I have 14 grand, and I believe it's 38. I, I, no, wait a minute. Yeah. 
14. Oh, no, wait a minute. I'm thinking of... I'm trying to think about this. Yeah, isn't it 14 grand? Probably. I have no five idea. Five and... Five, yeah, five, 14. Five and four, nine. And two, 11. Yeah, 14. Yeah. And then 14 how many... grands. And I think great? I've got 38 grades. And I think now I'm to probably 17 great grants. Great greats. Amazing. You ought to be proud of just that. And you probably know every single one of their birthdays, which I don't know how you track that. That's amazing in itself. Um, we're getting close to wrapping up here, Grandma, but what about... Let's talk about the mind and the body for a minute. What do you think the relationship is between your mind and your body? And what is your mind? Would you? Well, I I believe that you have to think wellness. You know, I've never been one. I only missed one day of work at the U in seven years. I only remember missing probably two days from the shop. Really. How many years did you work at the bowling shop? I think we started in 1960 and went down in 1989. So in 35, 36 years of work, you missed three days. Now that's a trooper and a healthy woman. Yeah. And a dedicated soul. My operations were, my back operation was after I retired, and then this last operation was at 93. I have had excellent health. Yeah. I've been blessed that way. Well, I think, Grandma, to have excellent health, you got to have an excellent mind. So. I think you've been uh, really good at managing your mind over these I, I have. I, I've never been one that believed in taking pain medication. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I don't like it, don't want it. Yeah. I had an experience with taking a heavy load of antibiotics after American Fork Hospital. And actually, I couldn't use my left leg probably for three or four weeks after and I, I blame it to the heavy dose they gave me. And then if you ask a doctor that, they won't say anything, of course, about another doctor. And so, you know, you don't, you didn't get any <laughs> satisfaction with whether that could have done it or not, you know, but the acupuncturist helped with that yeah. situation. But And how has your diet been, Grandma, over the years? You've been a pretty good eater, haven't you? Yes. Your yes. whole life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had, I've had weight problems off and on, but I've uh, worked with it and, and accomplished <laughs> what was necessary because Mother's family was a uh, large, large woman in the family. Yeah. So we had that type of genetic. I think Louine took after Dad's mother with her size. Where Borna and I was more the 
tailor into but yeah but so do you, do you think grandma the relationship between your mind and your body is um is uh crucial like you got to have a good mind to have a good body I think that's true, yes. Do you think stress causes a lot of our, uh, the disease and uh, Yes, de- very definitely, yeah. very definitely. Huh. Where, where does your mind exist? Say that again. Where does your mind exist? Like, where is it? Where's your mind? Is it in your brain? Well, it's in your brain, but where else is it? I don't know. I like to ask the question because I'm not sure. Because you have a brain and a mind. Are those the two things the same or are they different? A different function. Yeah. A different function. Yeah. But I don't know. Could you touch your mind? Or could you hold your mind? I don't think so. So where is it? Well, I think it's in your thinking process. Yeah. So where does your thinking process exist? Well, in your brain. (laughs) Right? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know anything, Grandma. That's why I ask all my guests these (laughs) questions, because I'm trying to figure out my mind, and I want to ask my grandma that's, been around a little longer than I have to see if she has all the answers. I'm looking for the answers. I don't know if I can leave out much help with that, for sure. And I'm not finding them. So, do you think, Grandma, the mind and the spirit, would they be similar, the same thing? Or different? Probably different. In which way would they be different? Spirit, I think about where your thoughts are going, what directions, whatever. Mind, I think you need that function for learning. Am I right in that? (laughs) I'm not sure, Grandma. Here again, I don't know anything. (laughs) Oh, yes, you do. You wouldn't be where you are. (laughs) I don't know anything, Grandma. Don't give me that. Oh, what about what's running your mind and your body? Well, I think what you put in, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to eat healthily right. to be healthy. Mm-hmm. But is there something in there running your mind and your body? Like, consider this. Your hair grows every day, right? Mm-hmm. Are you growing it? Well, I guess you are with what you're putting in. Okay, so are you growing your nails? Yes. Are you pumping your heart? Yes. Are you um, Are you digesting your food? Yeah, certainly. You know, it's so are you? Are all you all these functions that that come from what you take in and what you put out? Yeah. So are you, um, are you doing it or is it just a happening? 
Well, I don't know if you're ever quite sure about that. <laughs> you're doing the eating and the whatever. Yeah, but so do you sit there and think about, hey, blood pump, hey, heart pump, mm -hmm. hair grow? Like, you know, I, I don't think you're creating your own heart pumping. I'm not sure. Something. Yeah. <laughs> so what's doing all that? Well, your higher power, more or less. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Is that maybe your spirit that's running all those bodily functions, if there's such a thing as a spirit? I don't know, Brad, that I wish we do that. I wish we did, though, exactly. I wonder if there's something bigger than us, Grandma, that runs us. Well, I'm sure th I'm sure there is, or, the, or we wouldn't function like we do. Or do we think we're doing it? Just, you're put here to, uh, to learn and to process and to get through life. Yeah. It's kind of... And it's not easy. Yeah. It's a... Uh, it's not the easiest thing we'll ever do. No. I think we're down here. I call this earth school, Grandma. We come down here and use this vehicle to learn, and then we go back to where we came from. But I'm wondering what goes back there. Do you believe when you leave here, Grandma, do you take your mind with you? Oh, I certainly hope so. Yeah. I certainly hope so. Yeah. I've wondered when I get there if he'll be 48 and I'll be 100. Yeah. Well, we talked about that earlier. Your mind yeah. never changes. It always yeah. feels the so same. That's, that's why I say, where's the mind? Because if it's in your brain and, and you die, does the mind stay in the brain? Or does the body just die and the mind goes with the spirit? So you just you just don't know what's you don't know what's going to happen. You don't. But I like the thought that I take my mind with me and it continues on. Oh yeah, I'm sure I'm sure we do. I'm sure we do. Yeah. It would be interesting to know what's what we're going to get into. Yeah, sure is, huh? It's fun to talk about and think about. And, you know, I've heard of people that say they have had the choice of coming back uh -huh. after a bad operation or something and death at their doorstep, and they had the choice to return. But I don't, I've never talked to anybody personally. I've read books, but never talked to anybody personally. Yeah. So if it was your last day on Earth, Grandma, what would you... Uh want to do the last day would you make any phone calls or what, what would you want to experience if you could pick your last day well I would hope that I know all my children are happy and well at the time that I depart I don't need them all around my bedside you know unless I have a bedside where I'm ill But I hope they, you know, I hope they aren't sorry. I hope they can rejoice that I've lived as long as I have and that I've had the attention I've had from them. And anything 
you would want to do in particular or where you'd want to be? That I haven't done, you mean? Yeah, or just even if you have done, like what would you want your last day to look like? Oh, just to be a happy day. Like I say, it would be nice to go in your sleep. Yeah, that would be nice. Well, Grandma, on that note, we'll end this episode. That was an amazing conversation, and I appreciate your time. And for showing up today, Grandma, you're a beautiful lady. Uh, I will be interviewing her again this summer for part two. Uh, and I want to thank uh, you so much, Grandma, for showing up. And I'm lucky to be able to call you mine. So, hey, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Minds Jib podcast. And uh, as I usually do, here's an exercise that uh, listeners can do to strengthen, open, understand their mind. And uh, today, this is your homework, or this week, I'm going to hit you with a little nutrition exercise and, uh, that assists the brain. Maybe try to cut sugar for a week or a month. Review every single label of everything you put in your mouth. Look at the ingredients. And don't eat anything with fake sugar or real sugar. Uh, they call the stomach our second brain. Uh, see if cutting sugar could calm your anxiety and uh, assist with your depression. So focus on, focus on your diet this week. Uh, feed the belly, the brain well, and, and see how the mind shifts. Uh, the body may shift too. Tough to do, I know. Uh, tough to change uh, old habits but uh, how bad do you want sanity how bad do you want that mind to be clean and clear so thank you again final thought i really want to thank uh, everybody for their time taking it out of your busy and beautiful day to listen to my lovely guest and me my grandma was a an amazing and patient kind human to sit here for a couple hours today and again your natural state of being is peace and love if you're experiencing any negative emotions, you're out of your natural state. If you're out of balance, question your mind and those negative thoughts. Only believing a negative thought can cause your pain and suffering. Question those thoughts and you can change your world. And I thank you. As I love to say, we're twins. We're all equal here. We're all sharing the similar thoughts. I'm in you and you're in me. Now go and save your lovely self. If you have any questions or would like a one-on-one -on -one life-changing discussion, you can contact me on Instagram at the Minds Gym Podcast or email me at themindsgym at gmail.com. If you have any guests you'd like me to interview, please send me your referral. Peace and love to you all, and now go and exercise your lovely mind. Peace out.